putting yourself out there in this really vulnerable way, obviously one is more likely to result in bodily injury than the other, but it still is doing this big performance as a way to kind of entrance the crowd and get them on your side. Also, wrestling is just really fun. Hello and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 193 for the week of May 1st, 2023. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Ben Smith, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike McComb. Hey, Mike. Hello. In this episode, we'll be talking about the six entries that automatically advanced to this year's Eurovision Grand Final with our special guest, Maura Johnston. Hey, Maura. Hi, how are you? Good. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Have you been paying attention to this year's Eurovision entries? A little bit. I sort of got caught up more when I prepared for this show. I really do like, and I'm forgetting what author it is, but the the song about reading is really great. Uh, Austria, Edgar Allan Poe? Yes, Edgar Allan Poe. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, that's that song... Stuck with me it, mentally, if not by what author it was referencing. But, you know, literary references mm-hmm. are all over the place these days, so it's hard to keep track. But yeah, I really like that one. And then um, I liked co- a couple of the songs that we're going to talk about today, so I'm excited for that. Excellent. Yeah, today's list is a pretty good variety pack, I think. Yeah, there's a lot going on with the auto qualifiers. Totally. I remember a couple years ago, we had the whole summer series where we were going Big Five Nation by Big Five Nation, doing home renovation, essentially. And I I feel like they've been doing some work. Yes, I, I would absolutely say so. I think that there is a lot of modernity in this batch, especially. But I also think that it's nicely tilted toward tradition in some cases as well. Indeed. Just to spell it out, the big five countries, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, and host country, the United Kingdom, are the biggest financial contributors to the contest and automatically get spots in the grand final. Ukraine won last year's contest and also receives a fast pass to Saturday night. Fatima Zara Hafti, who performs under the name Lazara, will represent France with her song Avi de Mont. Lazara was born and raised in Quebec and is the second Canadian to represent France, with Natasha St. Pierre representing in 2001. Lazara released her first single, Printemps Blanc, in 2016. It was her single, Tu Tenira, in 2021 that first got her on the French charts. The Canadian music industry has also taken notice, awarding her Revelation of the Year in 2022 at the SoCan Awards. Avi de Mont is written by Ahmad Sakir, Fatima Zara Hafti, Yannick Rastogi, and Zachary Raymond. France has won Eurovision five times, the last being in 1977. Last year's entry, Foulen, by Alvan and Ahez, finished in 24th place. Maura, what did you think of this one? I like this one. I thought it had a really cool French vibe, very kind of laid-back disco, like you could definitely hear this mixed into a playlist that also has Get Lucky on it. You know, obviously, the lyrics are a little more motivational than the Get Lucky lyrics, but I really liked it, and I thought her vocal was really great, too. 
Mike, what are your thoughts on this one? So my first note is France going to France. Like yes. this, uh, like, <laughs> they, they, they tried something different last year and just like, nope, chanson, s'il vous plaît. And, <laughs> which is fine. Like, I think I think this is modern. It kind of sounds like a smoother Lady Gaga and like kind of her yeah. era. My next note is I hate that 2010 is considered retro at this point, but this does have kind of a retro feel in terms of the more dancey side. I think the Get Lucky comparison, that's a great one. Thinking in terms of how the grand final lineup could work, I think this one will be okay if it gets first half or second half. If it does get the first half, I can see this kind of being the entry point to, okay, the party's started. Sort of the way totally. that slow-mo, which I think was in slot six last year, like it's just like, all right, now we're firing on all cylinders. And yeah, this is a good entry from France. And I'm curious to see how the overall audience resonates with it. I weirdly want it to sound slightly fancier. Thinking about things that are now 10 years old, Daft Punk is releasing a deluxe edition of their last album and as part of that they're doing all of the here's the stuff we found in the vault and they have a version of the opening track on that that's them in the studio with attack piano and with full orchestration and it's just like oh right they spent so much money on that album yeah i want the version of this that uses an actual string section instead of the keyboard presets Mm -hmm. yes it's a chanson but it's simultaneously a parody of a chanson on some level once i was watching it with the lyrics at the bottom of the screen i was like oh that's why the press release said that line that ended on like her hips and i was like that's that's a weird thing to call out press release but then i'm like oh that's that's from the lyrics of the songs there's a slight archness to it, but I didn't notice that until I had the set of English subtitles at the bottom of the screen. So, like, that's completely going to be missed and may just not be a thing. Do you think the staging will bring that out? The live staging? I wonder if they really just want to do what they did in the video for the onstage thing. Because I could see them just going like, no, that's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like there's going to be something more because she has a really sly sense of humor. I really hope that that gets worked into the performance. I think you get a sense of that from the music video, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what it is that they could do. There's some playfulness that could happen. I'm hoping that she takes advantage of that. If it is done like the video, I think it'll still be fine. But yeah, if it can just get something a little sneaky and maybe a little cheeky, I think that that that's what it's going for. Yeah, a little link to the audience. Yeah, that's yes. all I want is just just like something that that says no. I know I know what I'm doing. Yes, just don't wink at the camera. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually wink at the camera, but like you know, just something that says no. I know what's going on. Yeah. She, she does finger guns every time that uh, she looks down the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Pew pew. Well, the pew pews are coming later. Next up is Germany and Lord of the Lost with Blood and Glitter. Lord of the Lost is an industrial metal band that formed in Hamburg in 2007. They released their first studio album in 2010 and have been a constant presence on the German music chart since, including orchestral and live albums. At the end of 2022, the band did a surprise drop of their eighth album, Blood and Glitter, which went to number one. Their Eurovision entry is the title track from that album, which won Germany's selection process Unser Lied for Liverpool. 
Blood and Glitter is written by Anthony J. Brown, Chris Harms, Pi Stofers, and Rupert Keplinger. Despite one of the best attendance records, Germany has only won Eurovision twice, 1982 and 2010. Rock Stars by Malik Harris finished in last place in last year's contest, avoiding a double nil thanks to televotes from Austria, Estonia, and Switzerland. Maura, what did you think of Blood and Glitter? So this song, I feel like it has a shot, and I'll tell you why. I teach at Boston College, and I've noticed over the past 10 years there that the song that has the most staying power out of every song from the last however many years is Mr. Brightside by The Killers. And I feel like this song is like The Killers, but they're a more convincing new wave pastiche because the lead singer sounds like Andy McCluskey from OMD. And so I feel like that aspect of things, and if they bring it with the staging, I know that they're supposed to be metal, but this is such a killer song. It even has the da na 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 that sort of like charging fanfare bit. It's a good song. I don't hear metal in it. I just don't, but... I do hear something that could appeal to a wide swathe of millennials and Gen Zs. I really want to hear the killer's version of this song. Just because (laughs) this particular brand of kind of screamy hard rock is not my thing. I appreciate it on a craft level that this is a well-crafted song. It's well executed. I've been delighted by their online presence at the pre-parties and in the content they've been throwing up online where they're covering everybody else's songs. They just did a version of the UK entry in a cabaret style. And it was delightful. This is such a good turn for Germany after last placing. This is what you're good at. You Mm -hmm. should, like, Mm -hmm. this is very similar to what Slovenia is doing this year. I've, like, you should go to one of your best selling acts and be like, do you want to be our Eurovision entry? Like, these guys had to go through a selection process, but it was the clear standout of the eight. (laughs) Is it my favorite this year? No, but I respect it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit a lot of the points that were in my notes, Ben. (laughs) Number one, the song isn't really for me, but I absolutely agree that this is what Germany should be doing. Like I I had mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's like, oh yeah, I really wish countries would send their top acts. And then after saying that and looking through the list, it's like, oh, there are actually a lot of countries that are doing that. And Germany is absolutely doing that right now. This is the turn that they need to take because they have been struggling. I was trying to think back to when they weren't struggling. Like 2018 was kind of more of an exception to what what Germany has been up to. The points that Malik got last year from the televote were the first televote points that they've received in several years. And I think that is going to change this year. And it should. And I like that they had to go through the selection process because I think if Germany had selected this internally, the reception for this one would have been different. Like, I don't want to say it would be closed-minded, but I I think there would be some resistance to the idea of this song. Being like, oh, metal, metal doesn't really work at Eurovision. But by having to go through the selection process, we actually get to see a staging concept. We actually get to see it in a competitive context. And it absolutely was the best option in Germany's selection. I also love what their social media content has been. Like on their Instagram, they are name-checking and introducing all of the other artists that are competing this year. They have a large platform. They don't have to do this. They're just doing that. It's like, oh, that's just really nice, you know? (laughs) And I think that that should be rewarded in some way. I don't think this one will have a spot on my permanent playlist, but I'm happy that this entry is part of the process. I'm hoping it does well. I'm not sure what it's overall chances will be, but I underguessed what Blind Channel did two years ago. 
but it came in six. So this one, this one could sneak up on people, I think. Yeah, I agree. It has that kind of over the top edge too that I think people will be drawn to when they perform it live because it because they just I think have that extra oomph. And I've seen people talking about this band since they got in to the grand final. So I think that there's definitely buzz around them. Yeah, they have enough experience not to actually be over the top or like right. over over the top <laughs> like it's a controlled grandiosity yes. there we go yes <laughs> awesome anything else good job germany good job two years ago we were just like okay everybody let's sit down let's figure out how to fix this and germany took a while but th- this this is a good turn for them Let's chat about Italy next. Marco Mangoni will be returning to Eurovision on behalf of Italy with his song Dua Vite. Marco represented Italy in 2013 with his ballad L'Essenziale, which finished in seventh place. He first came to prominence in 2009 when he won the third season of X Factor Italia. Since then, he's had seven number one albums, has won dozens of MTV awards, and was the voice of Simba in the Italian dub of the 2019 version of The Lion King. At this year's San Remo Festival, Duo Vite set up shop at the top of the scoreboard and never looked back. Marco cites the Beatles as his biggest musical influence, so he will probably enjoy his time in Liverpool. Duo Vite is written by David Petrella, David Simonetta, and Marco Mangoni. Since returning to Eurovision in 2011, Italy has had nine top ten finishes, including their third win in 2021. While hosting last year's contest, their entry, Brividi by Mahmoud Iblanco, finished in sixth place. Mike... Are they going to be in the top 10 again? Uh, I think his arms are going to be in the top 10, but uh, that's not the question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That is actually an interesting way of phrasing this. I feel like this is Italy playing it safe. That's kind of all that I've got on this one because the San Remo performances, they were fine, but it was still early enough in the season where it's like, oh, this is the best of like five or six chosen entries at this point. So there's been some time for this one to kind of settle. I think it's really pretty and my Italian's getting better where it's like, oh, I I actually understand more and more of this song each time I listen to it. But I feel like it's kind of lost its spark since San Remo. And I don't know if that is because of the new three-minute version. There was a video recently of him performing it live on some German talk show or something. It was a good performance. I don't think it is as butchered as some of the shortened versions of Italian entries have been in previous years. It's a good pop song. I don't know if it's reaching the same levels as some of the other entries this year. Top 10 wouldn't surprise me, but I have a feeling it's going to be top 10 rather than top five. I get a vibe of like third single from an adult contemporary singer in 1999 from this song. It is definitely the most retro, I guess, of all the songs that we're listening to today in as much as the pop era that it reminds me of is older. But there's a reason that those songs are still beloved by a lot of people. And so I think think that if he nails the live performance correctly, he will definitely do well in the televoting, if not in other ways. I think he's going to sing it beautifully. I could see the juries really responding to this. Although it's not the freshest of entries. My notes are are fairly sparse on this one. Like it's it's lovely, but it's ephemeral. And I, yeah. I, I did call out that I think that they've done a really good job of cutting it down from 345 to three minutes. 
There have been some real hack jobs with, with Italy's entries in the past. And it's a good showing from them, but it's not a winner. It is them continuing their legacy of excellence, especially in the last decade. If it is top 10, I think it's I think it's towards the bottom of that. I definitely see it on the left side of the board. Not sure how I feel about top five, though. I agree that the juries are probably going to eat this one up. He's one of Italy's biggest pop stars, so I have no concerns that he will be able to perform this live. He's done Eurovision before. Not his first rodeo or whatever the Italian version of rodeo is. Not his first Vespa ride. There we go. (laughs) I just want to see him having a full time at like the Beatles Museum or whatever in Liverpool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He'll he'll take some, you know, photos in in various places. And yeah. Yeah, his postcard before the performance is going to be an actual postcard. It's like, I mean, I Ben, you brought up the ephemeral nature of the song. And that was one of the critiques I saw of the song when it was in San Remo. Where it's like, oh, yeah, it's really pretty, but really does not have a hook that sinks into your brain. I think that's going to be a challenge for this one, particularly if it is earlier in the lineup. Like, I, I yeah. think this one would need to draw a second half to really have a shot of doing particularly well. Agreed. Yeah, I would be very interested to see what happens if this draws first half. Blanca Paloma Ramos Beza won the 2023 Benidorm Festival with her song Aya. Along with singing, Blanca is a set and costume designer based in Madrid. She also composes music for television, and her song Secreto de Agua was part of last year's Benidorm Festival. Blanca is currently working on her debut album. Aya is written by Blanca Paloma Ramos, Jose Pablo Polo, and Alvaro Tato. Spain has won Eurovision twice, pulling the double in 1968 and 1969. The auto-qualifier era has not been kind to Spain, with 10th place being their peak and most entries hanging out at the bottom of the scoreboard, until last year's entry Slow-Mo by Chanel hopefully broke that trend, finishing in third place. The comparison to Chanel is interesting because when that one happened in the grand final last year, I was just like, oh, this could win. Like, there was just that moment for me. I don't get the same spark with this one. Like, it's lovely, and I really like that it's playing with flamenco. The song builds, but I keep waiting for it to just sort of have, like, one, like, larger explosion at the end, or whatever the flamenco equivalent of a dubstep drop is. It feels like it gets to a place, and it builds tension, and then it's done. Some of the songs that we're talking about today are only two and a half minutes, 2.45. They're leaving some room on the table, and this one runs the full three minutes. I really like this track. I feel like it is a really nice melding of modern and tradition. Rosalia, the singer who is also inspired very much by flamenco, being such a big deal around the world and certainly, you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest pop star to hail from Spain at this point. I feel like this channels that kind of vibe really nicely. But I do agree with Ben that it's more of like a vibe than a journey. There definitely isn't that big huacha moment, the, the climactic moment. But I think it sounds great. And I'm really excited to see the live treatment of it because i think it'll be really cool 
So one thing that got mentioned somewhere in my Twitter feed recently is that there's not really any key changes at this year's Eurovision. Mm-hmm. I almost wanted this to somehow do like a, a pivot or just like like a key change at the end or just like something to like really finalize. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a reflection of pop trends in the last, you know, decade plus around the world. Like I was listening to some K-pop from the early 2010s earlier this week. And I was like, oh, there's a key change at the end of this song. And it just felt so rare. You know, some people might call it a cheap way to get an audience reaction, but I think it still is very effective when it's used correctly. And this song with a key change, I think would be really interesting too. This one, it wasn't really on my radar during Benidorm Fest, but it has been growing on me over the course of the season. I think part of it is that this one is such a huge risk for Spain after last year, but I think it could pay off. Blanca has been effortless in all of the performances of the song. There's videos of her where she's just like running into random people and singing this song. And uh, it's just like, all right, that's a great way to practice. Like she will be able to deliver this on the night. The color palette that has been used in the performances has been like the sort of red that was used in Aminata's Love Injected performance back in 2015. And this is kind of giving me the same vibe as that. If there were some sort of defined moment of this song, I think it could really pop on stage. But I think it's something that's going to have to come from the staging. So hopefully Spain has that in mind. And I think it's also going to be a big plus that Blanca Paloma is a set designer. So like, I'm, I'm sure she has like a very clear concept of what the staging is going to be. But this is another one where I'm very concerned about lineup, where right. this is in the first half, I think it's going to end up getting forgotten by the public. If it's in the second half, I feel like it needs to be at the point in the lineup where it, it kind of turns into the gauntlet of all of the heavy hitters. So like the 16-17 spot, either going into the last commercial break or coming out of the last commercial break. But if it's earlier than that, I think people are going to forget it. If it's later than that, I don't think it's going to sit with people long enough to be like, oh yeah, Spain was really good. This one feels like it's on a tightrope, but if she can get across, I I think Spain's in a good position. Do you think that part of the reason that it doesn't have that kind of build is because its inspiration is partly rooted in lullabies that her grandmother used to sing to her? And so like traditionally lullabies are obviously about, you know, sort of tamping down the environment as opposed to ramping it up. And so I wonder if that's going to be made explicit in the Eurovision staging of it too. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, like that's, that's a very interesting question. Yeah, why are there so many songs about lullabies this year? Everybody's tired, man. Everybody just just wants to go back to bed. <laughs> that I fully buy that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will be representing Ukraine with the song Heart of Steel. Producer Andrei Huchsuliak and vocalist Jimu Augustus Kehindi formed the duo while they were students at pharmacy school. They released their first album in 2018, but it was videos for their second album in 2019 that caught the public's attention, registering 400,000 views in the first week. 
Dvorty finished fourth in the 2020 edition of Vidbeer, Ukraine's selection process. They returned for the 2023 Vidbeer, which took place in December 2022 and filmed in a metro station bomb shelter in central Kiev. Heart of Steel is written by Jimo Augustus K. Hindi and Andrei Hutsuliak. Ukraine is the only current Eurovision participant to have never missed a final, partly because it has won the contest three times since joining in 2003. Kalush Orchestra's Stefania gave the country its third win last year, but due to Russia's ongoing war with Ukraine, the contest had to be relocated. As defending champ and co-host, Ukraine has drawn slot 19 in the grand final running order. I feel like this song is much better when you have the context of it. I listened to the songs that we were talking about on repeat all day, and the vibe that I got from it at first was very kind of like 21 Pilot emo pop, right? But then if you listen closer, the defiance that's expressed by the stick your middle finger up in the air and the lyrics that could definitely be heard at a festival near you this summer in the States, they take on a different meaning, right? right? It's a well-crafted song. It definitely hangs with your 21 Pilots or your Lil Uzi Verts or similar artists, but I feel like the context of it is going to probably push the voting over the edge, especially because of its slot in the grand final. My very first note is slot 19. Very good position for them. Under other circumstances, like if Ukraine were hosting the contest in Ukraine this year, we would probably describe this one as a host entry demonstrating that, yes, we deserve to win last year, and we would really like someone else to host next year. And <laughs> I think that's fine. Like, I, th- I think it is a quality song. I like the industrial aura of it. And I think it is capturing the thesis statement of this year's contest. Like, you get the industrial aspects of Ukraine and Liverpool and the setting of the contest. But then also, yeah, there's a reason why the contest is in Liverpool and not in Kiev. I I think the song is capturing that quite well. And I think people are going to pay attention to that. On my end, I love that it's a completely different vibe than we've gotten from Ukraine in recent years. They have been on the quest to find the most Ukrainian entry ever, every year. Yeah. That's created some really beautiful stuff from Goa and from Kalush Orchestra. And this is a nice pivot from that. It's like, yes, we've done that. We won with that. Here's something else we can do. Even with the revamp, there's something about this where it feels like a draft that's two thirds of the way there. And I just want to see what V3 is. I'm not too concerned. I think they've got a really good slot in the final. Overall, I'm not worried. It's Ukraine. They they do Eurovision very well. I agree that this is a great host entry. This is a great, yes, we did a great job last year. We are doing great, consistent work. We do not want to win. Just, Ukraine is very good at this, and I can see them still getting a lot of televotes as continued support, but I don't think that this is in the conversation to do the double. I'm kind of surprised that you view this as a pivot from most Ukrainian entry. I mean, I, I guess I can understand that. That since like, the lyrics are in English and yeah it's less on the folk side for me Goa was doing all sorts of synthy stuff on top of it but there was still deep folk music roots in it Kalush Orchestra mashing up traditional folk with rap and with hip-hop whereas this is just almost more like I like I like your description of industrial and also there's sort of like an R&B feeling to it to me they're, they're still finding things that f- still feel v- at their core very Ukrainian, just on like a lyrical level and what the song is generally about level, but like it's less on the level of sort of aesthetic for me. Okay. I was going to say that this feels like it is really capturing a spirit right now. I think that's incredibly difficult to do. And I think they are successful at what they're yes. trying to do. Yeah. I'm not sure how that can be quantified. I guess we will see how that will be quantified in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but... Yes. 
I mean, you could argue also that the style that they're operating in, which, you know, again, is very current, very like stuff that is popular on streaming services right now with a certain subset. It is not necessarily Ukrainian folk music, but it could be considered the folk music of the late millennial, early Gen Z swathe of of youth around the world, because that music is so popular. And it's so it's, you know, it's made in so many bedrooms around the world and then headlining again like I said earlier like festivals and stuff 21 Pilots does a lot of records Closing out both our show and the grand final will be Mae Muller, the singer and songwriter who will represent the United Kingdom with her aptly titled, I Wrote a Song. She has been writing songs since she was eight, and her first music video appearance was in Mika's Grace Kelly when she was 10. Mae released her first studio album in 2019, which paved the way for her to be a support act for Little Mix. In 2021, she was a guest vocalist on the song Better Days, which reached 23 on the Billboard Hot 100 and has almost 400 million plays on Spotify. I Wrote a Song is written by Karen Poole, Lewis Thompson, and Mae Muller. Hey, that story checks out. The UK has won Eurovision five times and has been a reliable backup host. The country has struggled since receiving its first nil point in 2003 and received a double nil in 2021. So far, the only country to do so. Last year's entry, Spaceman, by Sam Ryder, may be a sea change as it finished in second place. The UK will be closing out the grand final in slot 26. So I should preface this by saying that Better Days, which was released in 2021, but then ramped up its presence on radio, certainly in 2021. Made my top 10 singles of last year. I thought it was such a great track, and I thought her vocal performance in particular was really good. I could have done without the rap verse by Polo G, but we need to bring back guitar solos, I think. But anyway, um, I, this song, I, I so I had high hopes for this song, I will say. And this track, again, something that's very current in as much as it reminds me of Flowers by Miley Cyrus or a song by another May from the UK, May Stevens, If We Ever Broke Up. And I feel like it's kind of, you know, I'm going to power through this breakup, but I'm also going to be a little sullen about it vibe. is very TikTok friendly, very in tune with the rest of what's happening in American and British pop. I'm not really sure how I'm sure well I'm sure that Flowers just because of Miley Cyrus's celebrity is probably doing well around the world but I'm not sure about the May Stevens song which I know is a big TikTok song and is one of those songs where I played it for my students and they were like oh yeah I've definitely seen multiple TikToks with this track so I think that it's it's very of the moment. Does that mean that it'll do well with the jury? I don't know. I mean obviously the lyrics are all about the power of music to heal, right? And so that is something that I think will strike a chord with voters and the jurors. But at the same time, I don't know if it's in tune enough with the spirit of Eurovision. Speaking of unfortunate rap verses, the main version of this on Spotify does not have the little rap that's in the official music video, and I like it so mm-hmm. much more, but I, I've felt yeah. that way since the song came out. It doesn't need this little verse, but I, I get what they're going for it. I love this as a closer for the night. It's just like a nice little period on the sentence of Eurovision. 
I'm concerned that she's going to try and do the high note that's sort of hiding in the background of the final chorus of the song and that she's been doing at the pre-parties because it hasn't always been there. But it's just a level of fun that the UK has not been at Eurovision in years. I just want them to continue sending fun things. For years while they have struggled, I've been like, just call MNEK and have him write something that's fun and dancey. And I still think they should do that. But I think going in this sort of little mixed direction is a good one. And I think if they're trying to reset the national tone around Eurovision, this is a really good way to to sort of not just repeat what Sam Ryder did, because I don't think you can repeat what Sam Ryder did, and still just sort of settle on, what if we send a fun song and have a good time? I, I hope that this continues to bring the UK some level of good results or something where they can continue that national conversation of not seeing the point of Eurovision as winning, but what if you just send a good song? I adore this song, and I'm so glad it's part of Eurovision, because I think if it weren't part of Eurovision, it probably would have escaped my radar, and that would have made me sad. I love that it's closing the show. It's almost too perfect that it's closing the show, because it's like, oh, it's the UK, and it's a party song, so it's going to get the audience riled up just that much more. The fact that it's I wrote a song. Mm -hmm. There's this playlist that Spotify put out a couple years ago that's a Spotify Pride Party. When I was writing my notes, I accidentally wrote Bride Party, and I think that title <laughs> would work too for this. But yeah, oh yeah, this, yeah. Is, this has yeah. big hen party energy. <laughs> this is a playlist that updates every six months or so. Slow Mo is on that list, uh, it got added in January, and I expect this one to be on it when it gets updated in June. And yeah, I think it would slot in perfectly. Her sound really reminds me a lot of Marina. Oh, for sure. Like, I've really gotten into her catalog. So more of this, please, in general, just for, like, mic purposes. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> talking about this, like, otherwise not coming on our radar if it wasn't from Eurovision, this feels like the sort of thing that would end up in, like, the Pop Justice end of year best 50 singles thing where, like, I, I scoop up all of the UK things that never impact over here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The 10 quid prize. Yeah. Yeah. Is, like, this was, yeah. Like, would it would not surprise me if this shows up in the 20 quid prize list yeah. this year. Oh, sorry. 20. Yeah. Inflation and all, you know. Yeah, inflation. <laughs> inflation. No, I know. Brexit, man. <laughs> Speaking of Brexit, there was a whole moment, I want to say sometime in the last month, because they found her tweets from during the pandemic, where she'd oh, said no. something about, like, Boris Johnson. And there were, like, the usual Twitter people who were like, Martin Oosterdahl, are you aware? Uh, and, and my response to myself was like, good for her. Oh, okay, good. I, you get nervous when somebody's like, they found the tweets, and it's like, oh, no. Like, no, 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 no. She said that she said something along the lines of like, that, that Boris Johnson should have gotten the hospital bed. And like, good for you. Yeah, thumbs up. I'm yeah. giving the thumbs up. Well, Maura, thank you for joining us again. This is always a delight. Thank you. It's so much fun. This is always such a fun time. I love it. Is there anything else that you would like to point our listeners to? I'm kind of in a little bit of a transition mode right now, projects-wise. My semester is about to end at Boston College, so I'm hoping to get back on a couple of different horses in the summer. But I am somehow still on Twitter at Mora, which I snagged back in 2006 when things were a lot more innocent. And if you want to see photos of my cat and wrestling matches and concerts you can check me out on instagram at maura johnston and you can listen to me on uncertain.fm most tuesday nights at 10 p.m talking wrestling and playing wonderful music from all over the pop spectrum excellent that is something that i'm curious about and like we don't have to go into it now but <laughs> there seems to be a lot of overlap between wrestling fandom and eurovision fandom do you have any insight on why that might be the case oh yeah i, I think it totally makes sense 
sense. It's absolutely people performing and putting their vocal cords or bodies on the line to, to entertain crowds and to get the biggest cheer, right? Because what is the, uh, the you know, the call-in votes if not a cheer from the crowd virtually, right? So I think that the impetus behind those sorts of music and wrestling performances are very similar. It's, it's funny because somebody else asked me about this. Somebody's like, why are all the, my musician friends into wrestling now? And it's, it is, you know, it's kind of this putting yourself out there in this really vulnerable way. Obviously, one is more likely to result in bodily injury than the other, but it still is doing this big performance as a way to kind of entrance the crowd and get them on your side. And uh, also wrestling is just really fun. (laughs) 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 And the wrestling music is actually really great too. Like the guy who does the music for AEW, which is a federation that's on Wednesdays and Fridays on TNT and TBS. He did this one theme that was like a pastiche of sleigh bells that was incredible. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's really, really good. Thank you so much for that information. Oh, you're welcome. Just like there's there's some there's something here, and like I, I want to dig into it deeper because it's uh, fascinating. <laughs> Thinking about those dots, I can I can definitely make a line between the two of them. Yeah, there's there's a middle of those two circles of the Venn diagram. And on that note, that's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. The Euro What podcast is hosted by Ben Smith. That's me and Mike McComb. That's me. You can find show notes, our socials, and all the info you need about Eurovision 2023 on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to help support the show and access a ton of bonus content from the Eurowhat AV Club, head on over to patreon.com slash eurowhat. Next time on Eurowhat, it's Eurovision Week. We make our picks for what we think will advance from the semifinals as all eyes fall on Liverpool.